0: Good day. You're listening to Free City Radio. This is the 124th edition of the program. I'm Stefan Christoph. Thank you so much for listening. Today on the broadcast, I'm going to be featuring an interview with Sabu Hosu who is the author of Radiation and Revolution, out through Duke University Press. This book explores the ways that social activists in Japan responded to the Fukushima nuclear disaster in 2011. Of course this process in this moment extended for many years the impacts and social activists were involved in a variety of mobilization efforts to support people in the mostly agricultural regions in northern japan that were impacted by the fukushima nuclear disaster both to support people's Uh, efforts to relocate to urban areas, but also to support farmers and local communities that were directly devastated by the impacts of the explosions at Fukushima. Sabu, through this project, has been working to illustrate the ways that social activists and social movements have been responding to the nuclear crisis in Japan. It is an important portrait of this reality, And this book is also a translation, in a sense, of the social movement organizing that is taking place in Japan today. I thought it was important to have a conversation with Sabu about this process and what is currently taking place in Japan. This is our exchange for Free City Radio. Uh, First of all, can you just um, please introduce yourself? Um, The book that you published uh, last year is called Radiation and Revolution. Uh, This is about um, political theory and reflections on organizing and activism within the context of Japan post-Fukushima. But within the book, you don't only zoom in on recent history. You try to contextualize the relationship between nuclear power um, neoliberal capitalism and the history of Japan. So there's a lot to cover in there, but maybe if you can just first introduce yourself and just briefly share with us um, why, why did you work on this book project?
1: My name is Sabukoso. I was born in Japan, but I live in Japan, uh, uh, live in New York for uh, many, many years. And uh, I also, you know, know a lot of people in Montreal, including uh, Stefan, uh, it's an owner. I love Montreal so much because I love the people there. <laughs> and uh, so I like to visit as much as possible. But anyway, that aside, uh, so I've been like, uh, as uh, Stefan uh, knows, uh, we share a kind of political tendency, like anti uh, authoritarian uh, anarchist, anti-authoritarian uh, activism uh, since the uh, beginning of uh, global, uh, you know, uh, un- justice movement, and then through this, I got to know a lot of people in uh, Montreal, New York, and Europe, and uh, Korea, Japan, and uh, so I've been kind of active on the, this kind of context, uh, you know, but. Uh, I was not before Fukushima. I had not uh, been involved in any kind of uh, movement uh, of uh, nuclear power related to nuclear power. But uh, for Japan, like uh, this Fukushima nuclear accident was really, really a big thing. You know. Now it's kind of forgotten. You know, and uh, for, for forgettingness is another aspect of nuclear power. And later, maybe I can touch upon it. But so this is. Uh, you know something that revealed uh, to us. Uh, first of all, this is forgotten now, but it was like a fast, different phases of this accident. Like, a, for instance, first three weeks to a month was really the nation was totally in chaos. Like, kind of an infrastructure was not working, and people were questioning everything and radiation contamination spreading. And also, there was a chance of harmagedon. You know, from the Crippled reactors was so, uh, still very sensitive situation, and then like the uh, next uh, two years uh, was also a phase like uh, people questioned the uh, Japanese, you know, c- uh, post-war constitution, which was largely determined by the U.S., uh, you know, uh, policy, foreign policy, especially vis-a-vis the Far East, uh, beginning from the, you know at the end of the World War II and beginning of the Cold War, War, which is U.S. uh, strategy to face Soviet Union, China, and, you know, Korea, uh, and during uh, Vietnam War and so forth. Japan was made to serve uh, U.S. uh, purposes, you know. And uh, in this, uh, Japanese constitution was really conveniently constructed around this uh, whole thing. And uh, so nuclear power, introduction of nuclear power to the civilian life, uh, to the country that has experienced uh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, was a big thing. So all these things, people start questioning. So for two years, experience was very important to us. Like it was a lot of demos, street action uh, in Japan, where like uh, this kind of action or like uh, people's initiative to question the constitution and society had been absent uh, since the 60s and 70s you know so it was a big year so during these years and also the close of this kind of turmoil or the situation of a people's initiative uh, made me think a lot you know so this experience of really devastating disaster and people's kind of try to reconsider the whole thing But then this is, again, this whole impetus was absorbed into the new kind of social process uh, was a very, very thing, uh, you know, that I had to decide to think about. So this Fukushima disaster in this, like, uh, sense was a kind of a scopic device for me to reconsider everything around Japan and uh, Japan's relationship with the U.S. and the world and, you know, Uh, So that's the basis of... uh, So I became a kind of study nuclear thing afterwards. So I'm not always a specialist, but I learned a lot since then.
0: There's so much to talk about in what you just shared. Thank you, Sabu. Um, On the point of these two years after Fukushima sort of opening a political, social, cultural portal uh, and when the disaster hit, the echo was not just to try to overcome the disaster, but was it seems you know and this is what one of the things you explore all the popular mobilizations and the rethinking of japan's identity um, can you can you talk a bit about how both as an activist, how you were responding to this situation and also what you think uh, is important for people to understand that maybe was not, you know, what you address in the book was not as well represented in the way that the reality in Japan was talked about within the international media?
1: Okay, yes. Uh, so, like, uh, that, uh, you know, that uh, people's initiative uh, started to appear. The first of all, what's the, probably really, really the basis of all things was like a people's initiative to protect themselves from the radiation contamination that started, uh, triggered by the Fukushima uh, nuclear disaster, because the government somehow uh, avoided to confront this situation completely, and uh, you know, so like a, a contamination spread and uh you know that affecting uh, food products air and you know uh, water which affects uh, you know people's everyday life uh, reproduction uh, everyday life to continue to live you know especially around uh, near fukushima means northeastern part of japan spread up until up till tokyo even including this zone of kind of uh, uh, zone where that uh, people call uh hot spots appear like you know I mean like uh, this like amount of radiation contamination shifts you know according to the air like atmospheric movement and come and go, and also this is a very uh, nasty process, invisible more than anything you know if it were visible it would be really easy, and also like uh, when it's really like high uh radiation contamination, uh, this uh, kind of like a machine that one can, like a uh, commoners like us can purchase, like, uh, which costs like uh, $300, $400, $500 dollars to few thousand dollars machine we could purchase. But something that more sophisticated machine is re- required to measure like uh, uh, water or food products uh, and also, like you know, like uh, because there are several different kinds of nuclides, and the cheap one would not, uh, you know, uh, measure the some of the nuclides also. So, a lot of people start buying uh Geiger counter uh, to measure the air and you know, like a basic environmental situation. But also, a lot of people, a lot of groups. In different parts of Japan, started the uh, kind of a civic center to collectively purchase the more expensive uh, geiger counter, and some French groups actually, because French uh, also people have this experience of uh, you know uh, uh, measuring station, building uh, citizen-led measuring station practices. Uh, after Chernobyl, uh, especially France and you know Germany and other near countries. So they kind of helped uh, some Japanese groups to choose the machines and, you know, or even send some machines I heard. And uh, so this practice uh, was very much led by women, you know, and uh, because women, uh, you know, in Japan uh, probably uh, more than any other places, uh, you know, reproductive labor, so-called, you know, uh, taking care of the family, health of the family, uh, think of the food, uh, children's, you know, behaviors and everyday routine, you know, where they go and stuff. So, like, uh, they became, they responded to the situation most sensitively. And they are also angered by the lack of the measures of the government. And uh, TEPCO's lack of uh, uh, intention to take responsibilities and start, you know, uh, the program to support people and stuff like that. So a lot of, uh, you know, like uh, this kind of uh, commoner-based uh, kind of uh, measuring station and also information exchanges through internet mostly uh, outside the main media's reports and stuff. And the government itself has a kind of measuring station, but uh you know it's far less uh, sufficient so a lot of people started across the you know japan and at the same time uh so along with this kind of protest, another important thing was uh, uh some people who are living especially near the vicinity of Fukushima nuclear reactors uh wanted to move from uh, from Fukushima area to somewhere else safer, and uh, a certain, you know, area, government decided the zone, zonings, and the people living in certain zones, they supported, but, uh, you know, people living outside this zone were not uh, supported. But, like, you know, the, this is, uh, here's a, another contradiction was that uh, radiation contamination doesn't happen like uh, when you draw a map and the concentric, concentric circles expansion. It's more like a mosaic pattern. It's chaos. And it changes. So it's very, very hard to determine where is safe and where is not, you know. And so a lot of people wanted to move out and decided to move out. And so uh, supporting of this practice of people's uh, migration from Fukushima area to certain different places. And uh, so these two things, uh, first of all, are very, very important to us because uh, this itself as a kind of, uh, you know, as an action, it's a desperate measure to protect themselves, but also we saw some kind of possibility to create different forms of life than the consumerist life that, uh, you know, uh, people are like uh, commonly, uh, you know, uh, took as an ideal, like, uh, you know, like uh, living in the big cities and, you know, working for the banks and corporations. So triggered by this, a lot of some people like um, decided to move uh, on permanent basis. And change to change their professions from, uh, you know, uh, uh, office workers or like, you know, uh, urban uh, professionals to like farmers or you know something else, or or try to survive with mix of all these things. And uh, so this kind of a, uh, search of new forms of life, and decided and, and also people's network to share this information was pretty much the basis of this a lot of things uh, that partly continue, you know, now, still now, as an important uh, current in Japan, uh, especially for young people's movement. And on top of this, there was a big, uh, you know, anti-nuke uh, demonstrations and, uh, you know, like uh, including some direct actions and uh, because the, uh, really, really big uh, mobilization in Tokyo and Osaka and big cities, while like this kind of quiet, invisible movement of the people going on. So these two layers of things we observed. And, uh, you know, the complication happens between these two movements because uh, among the activists, you know, for instance, uh, this is a little bit complicated story, but important, so I like to say it. Is that uh, like, uh, like us, anarchist and anti authoritarian groups, uh, split within us, which is around this idea of like, uh, what we should do now? The, some people decided what's most important is to go to Fukushima and support the people's uh, you know, victims of the, you know, like uh, this Fukushima disaster is not just nuclear disaster, but also a tsunami and earthquake. So a lot of people lost homes and uh, so reconstruction of the living conditions and stuff was necessary. So a lot of uh, voluntary activities to help people, uh, activists went there. And also another group went there to organize nuclear workers. But certain people uh, opposed this idea because this endangered people. Uh, life because themselves are kind of ready to expose themselves to radiation, and this action might, kind of like a, uh, uh, support the idea like uh, you know people should remain in Fukushima. Uh, this is another thing I like to emphasize: is the government policy was. Of course, although they allow certain people to move out and support their, like, you know, live, create a new living condition, generally speaking, government didn't want uh, Fukushima to be totally evacuated because, you know, like, uh, in local industry was fatally important for the, uh, you know, like, uh, economic and industrial kind of uh, operation of Tokyo as well. Because Fukushima is a big food produce place. And also the labor power, you know, and electricity and all sorts of things. If the people move out and the industries collapse there, it's going to be a big damage for Tokyo, operation of Tokyo itself. So this is like a conflict there. So some people start criticizing people who emphasize the importance of going to Fukushima, like it could like a kind of support government strategy to, you know, make people remain there or something. So this kind of thing was going on. And the, this like a people who criticize those who go, we called it like a two side, uh two sides uh, well, uh, figuratively called those who go north and those who go west. Those who go north means like a people who go to Fukushima to support. And those who go west are more like a, uh, encouraging people to move out from Fukushima and support the movement of migration. So we call it. Uh, so in the like, uh, early uh, phase of this Fukushima situation, this conflict appeared, you know, in the activist milieu. And uh, but this was this discussion is still continued, but somehow it's uh, it's not so much uh, you know visible a- anymore. And, uh, you know, like, uh, this is another thing, but like, uh, in 10 years, you know, a lot of other things happened and COVID and everything else. And, uh, although, you know, that what I want to emphasize is that like Fukushima is not over, you know, but it's forgotten somehow. And, uh, but lately, you know, it's remembered because of the, uh, you know, Russian invasion of Ukraine, like kind of, uh, you know, threat was uh, kind of uh, reappeared as a possible uh, tactical use of nuclear weapon. And also Russian soldiers, Russian troops went into Chernobyl and another reactor and did some kind of, uh, uh, you know, threatening things as well. And also uh, Japanese government decided to release uh, the contaminated water used to cool off Fukushima nuclear disaster, uh, Fukushima uh, nuclear facilities to release to the Pacific Ocean. And uh, there are a lot of protests and, uh, you know, discussions going on now. So anyway, but then like uh, this whole thing was hidden by the COVID now. But uh, what I want to emphasize is that we are living in uh, multiple disasters. So we shouldn't forget it. You know, that's, uh, that's a basic... Uh, And the politics, to me, like, finally, I'm going to emphasize that uh, this Fukushima nuclear disaster taught me, taught us, was that uh, politics is a very, very multiple faces. Like, it involves, like, our own reproduction and relations and everything else, you know. Uh, My idea of politics before Fukushima was, I have to admit, very shallow, you know, very much uh, just a protest, action-based Like, kind of there's everyday life in one domain and something specific action is the political action. But, like, a whole thing is interconnected somehow. This zone of, like, kind of political horizon or political ontology was all of a sudden
0: widened after Fukushima Uh, for many of us, uh, you know. Often when people think about Japan and how Japan is culturally and politically represented uh, internationally, you see a lot of very urban imagery and you hear a lot of very urban stories. Um, Just maybe there's so many points to address here, and I'd really encourage people to look up Sabu, your book, Radiation and Revolution, It was released through Duke University Press, but just maybe to think about the ways that the echoes of Fukushima uh, continue. But what that means for rural Japan, Uh, and you know, you talked about the region where there's a lot of agriculture in the north uh, surrounding well the the region most impacted. But of course, the radiation affected all of Japan. And just think uh, if you could just offer some thoughts for people for. When they conceptualize and reflect on, you know, uh, Japan's representations, why is it important to to reorient our our understanding, at least on even in, um the level of imagery, the level of like the different identities that exist within within Japan?
1: Yeah, I think that's a very important question because uh, even Japanese people are uh, also caught by the image of Japan, that kind of created during the modernity in Japan. Like uh, Japan, you know, tend to emphasize this like a homogeneous race, nation consists of a homogeneous race, a nation like uh, embracing one emperor system and stuff like that. The image of Japan is rather insular, like Ireland, pure territory, uh, uh, you know, detached from outside. But then, like, uh, this, like uh, my book uh, and the research, uh, you know, that I was conducting through this uh, process was more like, uh, you know, I wanted to, I came to emphasize archipelagic Japan instead of insular Japan. Archipelagic Japan is that the Japanese map, if you see, it's connected to you know, Asian continents in different spots through like a small islands and uh you know uh it's like a north to kamchatka and you know uh, now russian territories and uh and the south to like a few points one is like a northern kyushu is connected to very close to korea south korea and also the more south of uh Kyushu is connected to Taiwan through Okinawan islands. Now this area is again problematic because uh, uh, joint project of U.S. military and Japanese self-defense forces tried to create this uh, zone as a militarized territory to face China. And uh, so, but this was a very beautiful area, you know, beautiful islands. Like, uh, uh, but now this is been... So this is a side story. But anyway, to create this image, uh, Japanese modernity was really uh, created the image of Japanese as a pure race, always living there. But the history, you know, alternative histories and different stories of formation of the people tell us that like, uh, Japanese people are not one group. It's constantly connected with different spots, as I said and more trading and uh, even including pirate activities you know and uh, very much mixed uh, you know group of people came to live in japan and the agricultural group one but also fisheries and you know a lot of different uh, you know uh, skills techniques were you know like exchanged with asia and uh, so this kind of image of japan was kind of like a very, very important. And uh, because Japanese nationalism is always questioned, you know, historically. This like idea of Japan as a ex- uh, like, a, you know, exclusively uh, kind of like a unique or pure race idea kind of facilitated the, you know, like invasion into Asia, you know, during twenties and thirties. Uh, and, uh, you know, like a, this sense of, uh, exceptionalism, Japan exceptionalism, needs to be uh, deconstructed, you know, constantly. And uh, so that's the image of Japan that, uh, you know, I wanted to uh, make in this book was to, you know, like uh, follow the history of this, how this, uh, you know, insular idea came about, you know, and became dominant. And uh, also, this is crucial because this idea was also somehow convenient for the US to use Japanese territory as a base to confront uh, Asian enemies, you know. So that's why from north to south, there are many US bases uh, in Japan.
0: Sabu, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Um, There's a lot more points that you explore in the book, Radiation and Revolution. Um, and so it's really an important opening. It's really just an opening to a lot of these subjects, and much respect, and thank you for taking the time to speak on the show today.
1: Thank you very much, Stefan, and uh, hope to see you soon in Montreal, and uh, when
0: you come to New York next time, let's absolutely meet and share a moment, okay? That was a conversation with Sabu Hosu, who is the author of Radiation and Revolution, a recently released book out through Duke University Press. Sabu has long been involved in activist networks, both in New York City and Tokyo, but also globally. He's worked to connect social movement organizing in Japan with anarchist and anti-authoritarian networks around the world. His book, Radiation and Revolution, is a portrait, a picture of social movement responses and organizing in response to the Fukushima nuclear disaster. It was a pleasure to have a conversation with him for the program this week. Thank you, Sabu, for joining. Free City Radio has a new edition every week. We broadcast on CKT 90.3 FM in Montreal at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays, on CGLO 1690 a.m. at 1 p.m. on Tuesdays. That's also in Giojiaughe in Montreal, and on CFRC at 101.9 FM in Kingston on at 11.30 a.m. on Wednesdays and on CKUW, that is, at 95.9 fm at 8 a.m. on Tuesdays in Winnipeg, Treaty 1 territory of the Métis Nation. You can find Free City Radio on iTunes and Spotify. Just look us up. Our archives are at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. If you like what you're hearing, please tell a friend. It'd be great if you could help spread the word. I'll finish uh, the broadcast this week with some beautiful works by Susumu Yokota, a great composer, rest in power. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to Sabu for joining the broadcast this week, and I'll talk to you next week. Take care.